T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. One in three adults at some point in the last year have not taken their medication as prescribed because of the cost of that medication. People having to make hard choices between paying their mortgage or their rent or buying the food they need uh, or paying for the drugs that are keeping them alive. Our concern about some of this patent thicket legislation has been you're going to do way more harm than you are good. You want to go into these companies and just say, you know, is, is your profit, is your ROI worth more than my life? It's a position everybody can agree on. The price of prescription drugs is just too high. But how on earth do we go about lowering the prices without disrupting innovation? That is the question. So thank you for joining us for another edition of KRLD In-Depth. I'm John Little with Austin York. The issue is a pressing one, especially you think about those that are elderly, those with medical conditions, prescription drug prices, and how to adequately pay for those sometimes exorbitant prices. It's a huge problem. So Cammie Thompson is the executive director of the American Heart Association in Tarrant County and shed some light on the dilemma. One in four adults right now who take prescription drugs say it's difficult to pay their medication bills every month. And then one in three adults at some point in the last year have not taken their medication as prescribed because of the cost of that medication. Since heart disease is the number one cause of, of, of death among men and women, this is something that really concerns the Heart Association. Um, a lot of risk factors for heart disease can be controlled with medication. And if costs are getting in the way of people taking their diabetes medication or their high blood pressure medication or their uh, cholesterol-lowering medication, then we have a big problem on our hands. And that's exactly what the situation is right now. Um, so we've got to get people to take their medication. And because those high drug prices are a big Barrier, this is having a negative health, health income, outcome. So here's an example of that. So half of Americans have high blood pressure. Half yes. of the American population has high blood pressure. And so um, half of those people, their high blood pressure is uncontrolled and high cost of blood pressure medication is one of those reasons. And so that has that negative health impact. People who are um, who are have high, have uncontrolled high blood pressure are basically a ticking time bomb when it comes to having heart disease, um, a heart attack or a stroke. And it's an issue that politicians in Washington have been trying to tackle for years. For more on this, we bring in KRLD's Austin York. Yeah, John, everyone has had an idea on how to take on this problem. Texas Senator John Cornyn was actually in Fort Worth recently, and he talked about this issue at a local clinic. It also reinforces the importance of having access to quality health care, which means in many instances having insurance. 
that will pay for these drugs or help you pay for these drugs. We know that continues to be a problem, but even with insurance, we see higher deductibles and uh, bigger co-pays. And most of the big drug companies, they negotiate with a pharmacy benefit manager uh, for lower prices. You have list price and then you have the, the, the actual price. And the benefit of that goes to the health plans. Uh, it doesn't come directly to the consumer. And so that's why I think more people are feeling that pain of paying higher out-of-pocket costs because of those higher deductibles and higher, um, higher uh, uh, co-pays. But uh, this continues to be a, a struggle. We keep working on trying to provide people better access to health care. A lot of people have ideas. Some of them are good ideas. Some of them are not so good. Uh, but it's something we have to continue to to work on. Now, he has introduced legislation that we'll go into in a bit, but it aims to lower these costs. But of course, politics comes to play in all of this. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York believes allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices will help. There are millions and millions who need help who are not affected. The senators from Illinois and Iowa have a bill to lower prescription drug costs. The HELP Committee has a bill that would help community health centers. The Senate Finance Committee has a good bipartisan bill to lower costs for seniors, and I'm a very strong supporter of allowing Medicare to negotiate prices. That would do more than anything else, anything else. Pre-existing conditions, probably the number one bane of people. We want to bring an amendment to the floor to protect those people. A mom whose daughter has cancer, and the drug company says, you're off. The insurance company says, you're gone. Let's not make a comparison, but wouldn't it do far more for the health of the American middle class and working people than this bill? Let's do them both. Yeah, several ideas on that one. Yeah, and North Texas Congressman Michael Burgess is in support of another bill in the House and gave a few details. I urge other members to consider the provisions included in H.R. 19, the Lower Cost More Cures Act of 2019, this bill includes bipartisan solutions to lower drug costs and protects access to new treatments and new cures. H.R. 19 does cap out-of-pocket costs in Medicare Part D, protecting seniors from the high cost of prescription drugs, and caps that at $3,100 a year, caps the cost of insulin at $50 a month. H.R. 19 also contains provisions aimed at access to prescription drugs in rural areas, by reforming the so-called direct and indirect remuneration fees largely administered by pharmacy benefit managers. So you mentioned Senator Cornyn's bill. What, what does that look like? Well, it all centers around breaking up something he calls patent thickets. One of the things that, we've, uh, that I've discovered is that the reason why some of these drug prices continue to go up is because of the multiple patents that are filed. As you know, patents or protect the exclusive right of somebody who discovers something uh, to sell it over a period of years, but after the patent then expires, then it's open to competition. And it's that generic competition which means that low, most of us experience low, relatively low drug price costs, including, including myself. Uh, but for the 10% uh, or so of drugs that are branded new drugs, uh, that are not yet, uh, for which there's not yet competition. Uh, this is really a kind of a runaway train uh, for most people. And you've heard the stories about um, people having to make hard choices between paying their uh, mortgage or their rent or buying the food they need uh, or paying for the drugs that are keeping, keeping them alive. 
So one of the things we can do uh, that has enjoyed broad bipartisan support in the Senate is to deal with this uh, phenomenon called patent thickets, where literally the same molecule is is, is, the, is covered by uh, more than 100 different patents, and the whole purpose of it is to prevent any competition coming into the, uh, into the marketplace. So we, uh, we have a, a piece of legislation that will attack that. Sounds like an idea that could work. And it does, and, and many of the people affected by high drug prices are hoping for anything to lower those prices. One of those is Tom Holsey, who is both a cancer survivor and a heart attack survivor. He now spends his time lobbying for others who can't afford their much-needed prescription drugs. A lot of guys I talk to with prostate cancer have to make a decision. Do I, do I pay the mortgage? Do I put food on the table? Or do I, buy, you know, do I pay for my uh, life-saving or life-extending drug here? Uh, like in prostate cancer, one of the big drugs is Zytiga. costs $3,000 a month. I had a friend who uh, who was being covered by insurance. All of a sudden, they said they're not going to cover anymore, and he was going to be responsible for that $3,000 out-of-pocket expense. Um, and then um, he went and negotiated with the insurance company, or not the insurance company, but the drug company, and they uh, agreed to pay $15,000 toward his uh, prescription. Well, doing simple math, that just takes about five months. So now he's he doesn't know what he's going to do. What a terrible story. I, I feel like... There have got to be so many in his same shoes. And unfortunately, you're right there. He wasn't the only one I spoke to who deals with the burden of coming up with the money for these drugs each month. Randall Barker uh, shared with me his struggle that not only affects him, but his daughter. I am a uh, type 1 diabetic. Of I've been 28 years. So um, with type 1 diabetes, you are um, you have to take insulin. It's a uh, life essential drug, nece- necessary to live. It's not an optional drug. Um, I've actually been on that since I was diagnosed. Um, and uh, I take that drug, you know, it, I actually use it through an insulin pump. So it's getting um, fed to me 24 hours a day uh, whenever I eat something and, and everything like that. Back when, uh, let's see, Humalog is the particular drug I use. It's made by Eli Lilly, and it was brought on the market in 1996. Um, from 1996 to current rate, there's been like over a 1,200% um, cost increase. Uh, I was looking at some old papers that I had, again, um, actually from the year 2000, so I would have just gotten into college. I was paying for a one-month supply um I had a copay, but it gave the cash price of the insulin then. It was roughly $43 a bottle. Um, My most recent supply that I just did at the end of last year, um, again, gave the cash price, and it was giving at about $247 a bottle. Uh, So I actually go through four to five bottles a month, and being a household with my daughter, Emma, who's also diabetic, type 1 diabetic, um, she goes through about three bottles a month. So we're looking at minimum seven bottles, eight bottles a month. Unreal. How in the world can you afford all that? Well, that, that was my next question to him. How on earth does he go about paying for this stuff being a single father? We do have high copays, but we have also a high deductible where we have to pay, you know, we pay the out-of-pocket to hit that high deductible. And then even at that, you're not paying your typical, you know, some people may say, oh, um, I have a copay of $15. No, we're actually paying a percentage of that drug price. So um, 
a one-month supply for her since I have not yet met out of pocket and I just did this um, a one month supply for her was uh, $95 and that was just for my daughter Emma um, you know and then you're paying that until you reach what they call out of pocket max and for myself my family uh, we were our out of pocket cost are $8,000 uh, for the insurance Stuff. So we hit that out-of-pocket max very early in the year, usually. Yeah. <laughs> and he feels a lot of the problem is everyone is pointing the finger at everyone else. A lot of the general public doesn't understand that system, and so they want to blame one or the other. But it, it's, it, it comes down to a blame game. If the manufacturer says, well, I have to raise my price to get on a certain formulary plan, which is determined by the pharmacy benefit manager. Pharmacy benefit manager wants to get a certain amount, so they tell the insurer, you know, you got to give us X amount to get you for us to recommend this drug on your insurance plan. All right, so the real question is how do you start to attack the problem? Well, that's the challenge. And let's go back to Senator Cornyn's uh, proposal to break up patent thickets. Now, remember Cammie Thompson, the executive director of the Heart Association in Tarrant County, she tells us why this could actually help. So what we see are um, patents that pharmaceutical companies have on the drugs that they have um, are a good thing in some ways because it helps them recoup some of the money that they invested to get to that prescription and to, um, to bring it to market. It seems that some pharmaceutical companies are taking advantage of the patent system and creating multiple patents on top of those drugs that are keeping them, um, you know, incubated for 30 years. And so they're able to charge what they want for those drugs, and they're never becoming a generic drug. Um, that's referred to as a price um, or a patent thicket, which results in high medication cost. So why is this even being debated? I mean, it sounds like it will definitely have an impact in lowering costs. Well, of course it does. But like everything, there's another side. Now, Tom Giovanetti with the Institute for Policy Innovation in Irving explains why the patent policy is actually an important one. We always joke about how Everybody wants to buy the second pill, but nobody wants to buy the first pill, right? And, and what we mean by that is there's, there's literally hundreds of million do, millions of dollars worth of R&D R that goes into actually developing a new drug. I mean, it's hugely expensive, and most drugs don't succeed, right? So there, it, there's an enormous risk and there's an enormous investment in developing these new drugs. And somehow that investment has to be recouped or companies are not going to do that, right? They're, yeah. they're not going to put money at risk to try to develop new drugs. There was just a story in the news just the other day uh, that a very promising Alzheimer's drug, it turned out when they got to like the trials, it failed. Yeah, It failed. And, and the company pulled it, right? So they had literally put over a billion dollars worth of effort and research into this drug and it just didn't work out, right? Well, we want people doing that. We want companies taking those kind of risks because we want those cures. We want cures for Alzheimer's. We want cures for hepatitis C and things yeah. like that. And so the, what the patent system does is it gives companies essentially an incentive to invest, that if you do actually happen to hit on a drug that works, and something like only like one out of 20 molecules ever makes its way to actually a finished approved drug, that's how much sort of loss there is in, in that field. Yeah. But if you ever do have one that makes it, 
uh, we're going to give you for a limited time, you know, somewhere around the 15 years, more or less in there, we're going to give you this exclusive patent where no one can copy your molecule, right? And so that's the incentive for them to do that. So, and there's lots of evidence, lots of economists have done work on this where when you weaken patent protection, you actually erode the incentives to do all that R&D, and R&D goes down. So the problem is we want these companies taking these risks. It's just that their, that final product very often ends up being really expensive, and no one wants to pay for the innovation. Every, everybody wants the second drug, not the first drug. Okay, then, but how does he explain away patent thickets, the thing Senator Cornyn wants to break up? And that is something I asked him. Okay, so you've got one drug here, but it's got 79 patents. You know, why, why does one product need 79 patents? Well, the answer to that's pretty obvious. Uh, if you're carrying around an iPhone or an Android, Android phone in your pocket right now, there's over a thousand patents on that device, okay? Every little process, the arrangement of the chips on the board, the software, the hardware, the design of the thing, the cosmetic design of the thing, there's over a thousand patents. So would we say there's a patent thicket on the iPhone? Or would we say there's tons of incremental innovation represented in that one product? One product, but many innovations, right? And most innovations are not you know, you walk into the lab one day and there's this miraculous thing has happened overnight. Most innovations are you grind it out increment by increment. You find a small way to improve this and you find a small way to improve that. You find a small way to improve this. And when you add all those small innovations together, you end up with something really cool, like the latest iPhone or like the latest drug, right? I take a drug right now for, for chronic reflux and heartburn it's the third iteration of that drug. The same company has found ways to improve that drug three different times. Now, some people would say, oh, the only reason you're doing that is to extend your patent. Yeah. But that's not the reason they did it. They literally made that drug work better with fewer side effects. Those were incremental innovations. And so when you look at a drug and you say there's 17 patents in that drug or whatever, if you don't really study and understand all of the incremental R&D that goes into those products, it sounds like they're just building a fence around their patent, right? And that's where this phrase patent thicket comes yeah. from. And, and th there are bad actors in every field. I have no doubt that sometimes companies do that. They say, let's push the boundaries here and let's do as many patents as possible. But most of the time, if you actually drill down and you look at these accusations of patent thickets, mm -hmm. what you're really seeing is a bunch of discrete, small, incremental innovations that all add up. But going back to Barker for a second, the diabetic, he and his daughter, they don't want to hear these excuses. They need relief now. I have had cases of where I've had to choose. Um, do I make my mortgage payment this month or do I buy the insulin? And unfortunately, that's not really a decision. You got to have to, you have to ask yourself, you need this insulin to live. Um, looks like you're going to maybe skip the mortgage payment this month or, you know, pay it late and endure that late fee or, or something like that. And um, we've, I've unfortunately run into that a couple of times of where, you know, you just cry and it, it becomes a juggling game of which bill gets paid because ultimately insulin is a drug that we cannot not have. How scary is it when you, when you hear all this and and all that and, and, and living with it. I mean, it's a little scary. I mean, hearing the stories of people rationing their insulin, you know, and people even dying from rationing their insulin. So, I mean, 
I think it's always going to be a worry or like a big stressor in the back of my mind and something I'm always going to probably think about. <laughs> um, it is scary. I mean, you know, you want to go into these companies, Eli Lilly and, and stuff, and just say, you know, is, is your profit, is your ROI, um, you know, is that more, is, is that worth more than my life? And, you know, I hate to say, you know, and it, it, it angers me. It, it angers, but it also, you know, saddens me and stuff. Like Emma just said, I had a, a close friend that reached out to me last week that she was rationing her insulin. And, um, you know, she actually works at a hospital, has the same thing, the health insurance. But, you know, she was uh, reaching out to her doctor for ways of how she could cut back on her insulin. So it's it's those stories that you know they're getting out there i believe but it's almost like the manufacturers are turning a blind eye to it because ultimately they set the, the list price of the insulin you know and it just trickles down from there as to where the costs go and stuff and so you know i, I do understand there are stakeholders and that you know they say that competition drives um innovation but, you know, I'm looking at a drug that I've had um, developed since 1996. So this is 2020. It's 24 years old. Same drug. No, no um, innovation. No improvements. But why has the cost gone up so much? Very, very compelling. Giovanetti doesn't want to come off as someone who defends prescription drug pricing. And he admits that in every industry, there are people out for pure profit. There are bad actors and everything. But here's the problem with legislation. When you write a bill that's designed to sort of stop a bad actor, it, th that legislation does not only affect the bad actor, it affects everybody, right? So what you don't want to do is write a bill that's intended to get at this supposed problem of patent thickets, right? And what you've actually done is you've devalued incremental innovation. You don't want to take that risk of devaluing it. Again, because we're counting on these companies to go out and develop these cures. And while some molecules start their journey toward a drug with government funding, like the National Institutes of Health or something like that, that does happen sometimes. But you're kidding yourself, I think, if you think somehow the government could somehow take over all of this drug innovation and say, okay, you know what, we're going to cut the profit margin out, we're going to do away with patents. And there, there, there are patent critics out there, this is what they want. Yeah. They essentially want the government to take all this over. And if you've, if you've stood in line at the DMV lately, you do not want the government being in charge of pharmaceutical innovation. You want, I mean, the genius of the American system is people go out and take risks with their own money. Right? With yeah. their own capital, they put it at risk. If they succeed, they can get wealthy. If they fail, they fail. Yeah. You know, taxpayer dollars don't go down that tube. So we want that system to continue. And so our concern about some of this patent thicket legislation has been you're going to do way more harm than you are good. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to devalue these small incremental innovations. I mean, sometimes it's just as simple as, okay, so we've got a drug, but it turns out if you add sodium bicarbonate to that drug, suddenly it becomes absorbed 20% better, yeah. right? So some people would look at that and say, would say, oh, you're just trying to extend that patent. No, it turns out that drug works 20% better yeah. if we do this little thing. So the question then becomes, are they entitled to a patent for that innovation? And we think yes. And going back to Senator Cornyn for a moment, he believes the thing that will help the most with prices. What I do believe is we need more competition 
in the uh, in, in the healthcare because, as we've seen with generic drugs, that will drive down prices. You can do it a couple of ways. Either the government can set the price, or you can have competition, which will lead people to bring down the price and improve quality of service. Now we're seeing more different more different kinds of health insurance products being uh, made available. Some temporary policies, some that are through. Uh, what's known as association health care plans, pooling uh, lives together to try to use that to bring down the cost. But unfortunately, the uh, Affordable Care Act uh, eliminated things like high-risk pools in the states, which where people with the greatest cost could be, uh, could be separated and their problems could be dealt with while it did not drive up the premiums for everybody else. So it's, a, uh, it's an ongoing uh, challenge, to be sure. Unfortunately, I think we're getting... We're not necessarily making progress. We're in some ways regressing, and that's uh, certainly something to be avoided. And Giovanetti says patents actually will help with that. As an exchange for your patent, you are required to legally disclose the invention. Yeah. See, so it's not like a trade secret, right? I mean, Coca-Cola, the recipe for Coca-Cola is a trade secret. Yeah. They don't disclose it to anybody. They keep it in a vault. If you're a drug company and you come up with a drug you want to patent, you have to disclose the invention. You've got to publish all the details of it. And so what you're doing is you're giving your competitors and you're giving the generic companies a head start on essentially developing a similar drug or a generic copy. So when the patent runs out, they'll be ready to go. Immediately. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've been able to do R&D almost for the entire length of the patent. All right. So if he defends the patent process so much, what does he think is going to lower the prices? Well, John, he thinks it all comes down to the way insurance and providers actually will pay for the drugs, that that will actually be the thing that lowers the prices. I think everybody understands that if, if you want, if you're, if you're buying a new laptop, right, you've got your choice of a price range with a laptop anywhere from about $4,000 down to about $400, right? And the, the best explanation for that price difference is, or do you want a laptop with, with the latest, most cutting-edge chips in it? Or are you content with a laptop that has two or three or four or five-year-old technology in it, right? So everyone understands that if you want the latest and greatest technology, you pay more for it, right? But if you wait a few years, it gets cheaper. Yeah. That's an exact parallel with the prescription drug business. It's an exact parallel. If you want or need the latest and greatest cutting-edge drug, it's going to be expensive. If you can wait a few years then it's a lot less expensive. And that's the way our innovation system works. The reason that healthcare is different than technology is if you need a drug, you need it now. You don't have the option of waiting a few years. And so that's why I think it does make sense for us to be looking at ways to, to cut down on drug prices. But the, it's best to focus on the, the way we pay for them, not the way we develop them. You know, we can argue all day about how to pay for the drugs, we can argue all day about how, how to determine who gets what drugs, but we still want the drugs to be invented in the first place. And so the problem with coming at drug prices from the patent angle is you risk screwing up the innovation system and there, to where there won't be as many future drugs. Lots and lots to digest. Austin, thank you so much 
for that detailed report, uh, looking at it from several different sides. And we invite you to subscribe to our podcast, KRLD In-Depth. You can do it anywhere that you get your podcasts, and you can always get it on KRLD.com as well. For Austin York, I'm John Little, News Radio 1080 KRLD. We appreciate you listening to us today, and you can also listen to us on the radio every day for breaking news, traffic, and weather. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.